Today's Plugged In podcast is sponsored by Volvo. Get ready to recharge this summer with Volvo's first pure electric SUV. The XC40 Recharge has no tailpipe emissions yet delivers more than 400 horsepower and up to 335 kilometers on a single charge. And with integrated Google OS, stay connected on any journey, even without your phone. Enjoy an SUV designed for you and the world we share. Visit volvocars.ca to learn more. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. When it comes to global automotive manufacturing companies, Magnet International is a juggernaut. The Canadian company employs over 150,000 people working in 342 manufacturing operations and 91 product development, engineering, and sales centers in 27 countries. Among the many innovations Magna International has developed and brought to the automotive sector over the years are stow-and-go seats, backup cameras, and trailer angle detection technology. And there are many more. Now Magna is turning its attention to electric vehicles by making them lighter, more efficient, and by delivering a range of powertrain options. My guest today is the man in charge of leading the team that is developing and testing those electric powertrain systems. Tom Rucker is president of Magnet International's Powertrain Group, which produces transmission and driveline systems and metal-formed components. He is a graduate from the Technical University in Berlin, where he received a degree in mechanical engineering and business administration. He has lived in Canada for a number of years and proudly notes that he recently became a Canadian citizen. Thanks very much for joining us today, Tom. No problem, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump in right now. So why has Magna focused on developing electric powertrains? Well, as you probably know, we currently are market leaders in all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive systems and and also transmissions. And um, we obviously need to see the need and and also have the desire to transition our established products into the era of electrification overall as magna um you know our motto is to to move forward in a in a way that uh, makes life better for everybody and um at the end of the day we we found out that most of our established products we can build with you know around 10 building blocks, stuff like actuation systems, clutches, park locks, and so on and so forth. And uh, we, we just added three building blocks to our portfolio, which are the electric motors, inverters, and software. And with that, uh, we have the ability to transition our products from internal combustion vehicles all the way to BEVs and, and everything in between. And then if you add some um, technologies from other magnet groups, like, um, for example, lightweight exterior, body and white products that could offset other weight from batteries, you, you kind of 
start to see the whole package coming together. Well, one last thing I want to mention as well for Powertrain is that we're pretty much agnostic to the power source to fulfill our mission, which is to bring power to the wheels. And so, so we can really cover the, the entire range depending on what our customers are looking for. Your powertrain engineers, as you say, are agnostic. This must be kind of an exciting challenge for them to jump into this world. It, it definitely is. You know, everything around us is changing, but uh, for us in powertrain, uh, it's it's a very drastic and, and radical change. But we see it as a as a big opportunity, as a challenge, and like you said, is exciting for our engineers to be part of it. Some of my listeners, and, and even myself to some degree, I mean, we don't see, Magna isn't an automaker. We don't see Magna dealerships and Magna cars. So people might be a little confused to think, well, why are you making powertrains when you don't make vehicles? How do the powertrains then integrate into different brands? Yeah, that, that is a great question, Andrew. And, you know, we, we certainly do have the capability as Magna to... Uh, maker, we could be making our own vehicles. Uh, as you probably know, we're the largest independent vehicle manufacturer out there. So we make complete vehicles for different automakers like BMW, Jaguar, and others. But, you know, quite frankly, we, we don't want to be, we don't want to compete with our customers, right? So, so this complete vehicle knowledge is great for us in terms of system integration and understanding how everything works together, but it's not our desire to make our own vehicle. And, and yes, you're also right that you usually don't see the Magna name on any products in your vehicle. So people don't necessarily that are not in the auto industry know us. But if you're thinking, for example, all we drive, four wheel drive, you know, a lot of customer brand names that are out there are really our products that are in those vehicles. As I said in the intro, I mean, Stow and Go, which is ubiquitous. I mean, very few people, I think, would, would attribute Magna as the creators of that. So that's an example, I guess. Yeah, that's a perfect example of that. Right. Where do you start with your team? You know, word comes from high to the powertrain guys. Okay, we're going to make an electric uh, powertrain. How does the process begin? You know what? Um, I mean, it, it really starts with with a long term view and, and strategy. But if you're talking more about um, the development work, I actually have a pretty cool story here to share with you, um, which is around a new product um, that we're developing, which is an e-beam technology for pickup trucks. And what we did here is that uh we asked we we have a, a group of powertrain engineers in in our troy michigan area and they truly you know pick up enthusiasts right and uh, so they took up the challenge to of creating a product that uh, could be used for electrifying a traditional pickup truck but really thinking about um not harming the ability of this pickup truck to whatever you want to do, right? Pull a bolt, a haul lumber, or or do whatever. So so these engineers, believe it or not, spend months benchmarking, stress testing, um, you know, this product or traditional beam axles on, on you know, Michigan's bumpy roads and, and, you know, riding the trucks in wintry conditions, on sand dunes, everything you can do. And adding thousands of pounds of weight and, and towing other vehicles. 
And um, yeah, it, it was like a sporty challenge for them to combine both uh, the best things of, of both worlds. And they come up, they came up with an amazing product. Certainly the, I mean, the news of this month in the EV world, I think the big news has been the, the release of the Ford 150 Lightning, first all-electric F-150. Clearly, the pickup segment is one that is a linchpin for the EV movement, particularly in North America. So is that part of your thinking, too, that this is a target segment that will have interest right away? Absolutely. I mean, it's no secret, right, that the light duty pickup truck segment is extremely important to automakers, um, mostly North America, but not only. So I, I think one in five vehicles sold in the U.S. were uh, made of full-size trucks, right? But they're also one of the last vehicle segments to become fully electrified. So, yeah, I think that the word linchpin that you mentioned is, is very, very appropriate for this scenario. So I, I know a little bit about the e-beam technology. Um, it kind of differs in a way, well, maybe not from the Ford product, but when you're looking at GM, um, this whole idea of an electric architectural platform, which it integrates the frame and the, the batteries and the motors and everything, and then it can become scalable for CUVs and cross, or for, I'm sorry, crossovers, SUVs, sedans. The e-beam technology is a little different than that, isn't it? It's not yeah, the, it's it, not the entire platform. It's actually specific to the axle and the powertrain. That that's exactly it. And so our idea really was to focus on um you know a cost efficient way and a relatively simple way to modify uh, existing truck architecture and convert it into an electric vehicle and and what we mean with that is is really uh, maintain uh, all the advantages and uh, that a pickup truck has or, or really the the need that users have for the pickup truck so it's a structure oriented design it's it's there to support high payload vehicles with matching power continuous duty usage and um, without sacrificing any of the capa uh, capabilities from automakers point of view, this is this is intriguing because they don't it's not a rework of their line really of the of the production line it sounds like this technology can almost be implemented into an existing um gas powered truck is that is that safe to say yeah yeah exactly so so if you think about it right many of our customers have enormous fixed costs already invested in producing millions of truck based vehicles right so, so for us, it was really important to develop a scalable family that could slide right in there and you use the same suspension, brake and so on and so forth that you have in the traditional trucks. So, uh, we, we have the ability to do that all the way from a midsize to heavy duty pickup truck, but also for commercial vehicles such as delivery vans. So scalability is, is built into this e-beam technology. Yes, yes, absolutely. We think it's very important. We can, you know, just to give you a feeling, we can cover range from, you know, 120 to 250 kilowatt and up to 800 volt. And we can also customize from, you know, single motor, single speed or single motor, two speeds or, all, or even two motors with a single speed and a torque vectoring option. Did you discuss maybe prior to embarking on this path with some of your customers, your clients, this idea, or was this something that your team came up with and, and realized that it will be appealing to the automakers? Or is it kind of like an ongoing conversation? 
Yeah, I think it's 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 a combination of of all those things that you mentioned, right? It started with with our guys here in Troy, as I told uh, you before, but but of course we're having very very intense uh, conversations with our customers, and in fact, really excited that we're going to have our first um, demonstrator vehicle on the road at the end of this year. And it, it, this one has been developed in, in very close connection with one of our big customers. So, so it's not only, you know, a, an idea that we have, but it, it's really already, um, specified and designed with, with one of our big customers in mind. And, and we've having conversation with all of our customers and there's, there's quite a bit of interest. I don't suppose you could tell the plugged in audience who that customer is. Uh, not, not at this point in time. Okay, not fair at this point in time. I had to ask. Yeah, good try. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you looking at other things? I mean, electric powertrains. Obviously, this axle is exactly that. Are you looking at other? Um, I mean, is is battery development? Is is the software? Is that part of Magna's big picture for the EVs, or is it is, right now? Is it just on the powertrain units? You know, on the powertrain units, for sure, we're, we're heavily, uh, you know, invested in. Uh, we believe that's the future. So we have our lo- uh, own family of what we call e-drive units. Um, but, and, and also a hybrid transmissions, right? Both uh, dedicated hybrid transmissions um, is a hybrid dual clutch transmissions that are already you know, launching for, for different customers in, in Europe mainly. But we are, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I think software and connectivity are uh, incredibly important uh, in the future. So we, we just showed in our winter test event in Sweden this year, we had a world premiere of a system that we call the Magna Intelligent Eco. And uh, it's a connected PHEV system that reduces greenhouse gas emissions by up to 38% based on a unique cloud connectivity feature uh, that would allow drivers to select the most eco-friendly route depending on the source um, of of power available, right? What, what right. are renewable sources? So I, I think we're getting more and more into, into connectivity software and other things that go beyond the classic powertrain components and systems. I mean, it's a it's a fascinating time in 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 the kind of integration of of, of software and automobiles. Um, to be sure, do you think that there are a lot of engineers in your company that are embracing this, or do you think there is there resistance to kind of you know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously they're going to do what the company wants it to do. But I mean, are you finding like, does it skew across demographics where the younger ones want to do it or the older ones are kind of reluctant or is it the opposite? Can you comment on that? You know what? That's a, that's a really good question because um, I think it changed over time, but I'm, I'm amazed and excited to see how quickly um, it flipped, so to speak. Right. I, I, I think it's fair to say that, at the very beginning of this process, and I'm talking several year backs, you would find pockets of people in a company that were a little bit more resistant or maybe didn't necessarily believe this was happening, right? 
but uh, clearly in my mind that that inflection point is is, is long behind us and and today i would say it's the opposite right our people our engineers our sales and marketing teams they are pushing us literally right to to do more and go faster because a everybody sees it's happening but i also think you know we have more and more people that are really invested in terms of you know sustainability and and a new way of living right we we for example just committed as magna to be carbon neutral in europe by 2025 and rest of the world by 2030 and i think these these things are really important to to all of our employees as well for me anecdotally that what turned my brain about that was i was at the um the tyke porsche tycon uh, launch in Stuttgart and uh, they took us to the factory where they were being built and side by side by the the 911 in the, in the power plant in the yes. in the engine um, department all the techs that were working on the gas engines were young people I mean in their 20s and late 20s and 30s and all the guys working on the and, and women working on the electrical stuff were kind of the senior mechanics which which really amazed me and I asked one of the engineers there about that and he said they're they're the older guys love the 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 idea of change and love the idea of being at the forefront of this new movement um so that to me really struck a, a chord it really made me think about that because um it, it seems as you say people have embraced it there was this kind of reluctance in the beginning but that to me really underscored how um especially engineer-minded people are always willing to change if something can be done better and perhaps as you say more sustainable you know what? That's a great observation. And it, it's fascinating to see, right? Because e even with us, if you think about uh, an experience, an older engineer that has been working on, on all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive solutions, right? Electrification, having, having you know, primary and secondary e-axle in a vehicle opens a whole lot of opportunities to, uh, for vehicle dynamics, as an example, that can be managed uh, via software and these guys are all over it they're they're <laughs> truly excited about that that th these are possibilities that they they didn't have before right then you know i had the chance to drive our demonstrator in, in sweden our winter test last year it's based out of an ipace modified where products are software torque vectoring and it, it's just fascinating to see what what you can do on, under those circumstances and, and that motivates our engineers so when you develop those kind of softwares as a company with Magna, would you present them to, I mean, you, you mentioned the iPace, would you present them to Jaguars Engineering to say, this is what we've worked on, this is how it could be adapted? Is that is that kind of how you sell your products? Yes, yes. So, so for example, this, this uh, winter test event that we do every year on a frozen lake uh, in Sweden uh, really serves two purposes. One is truly... Uh, development and testing of our products but the other one is we we invite both um you know media uh, representatives but mostly customers um to experience our products uh, and and you know we we have been successful more than once to convince customers of the benefit of our solutions you know it's one thing to see it on a powerpoint or a, or a drawing and it's a completely different thing to experience it I mean, they must appreciate that because you're essentially an R&D unit for them that they don't need to fund. Yeah, yeah, that that's precise. That's exactly it. And and the other thing, you know, let's face it, 
we're, we're getting more and more integrated, right? These systems are extremely complex. And, and the level of integration that is required between us as a system supplier and the OEM is, is increasing with software. So ultimately we, you got to work as a team to make these things happen. So you are based in Canada. Obviously Magna is a Canadian company. Um, your founder obviously is a very well known Canadian. Um, but you are a global company, but I'd like to talk about Canada because something that comes up on the podcast quite a lot. Um, especially talking to manufacturers and to, to industry watchers and to even some politicians is it seems right now Canada has a great opportunity to be part of the EV supply chain globally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. We, we are a proud Canadian company, but, but we obviously, you know, operate on a global basis. We're we're the third largest uh, auto supplier in the world by, by sales and by far the largest in North America. But I, I agree with you that there's different elements that uh, make Canada potentially a, a, a very um, beneficial or good place f- uh, to to take a very important role in in this um, big you know adventure that we're all embarking on, right. and, and it has to be a little bit with um, you know uh, raw materials that we have in our country, but it also has to do with uh, innovation and, and making sure companies are in an environment where they can uh, invest in, and create new products. And obviously we'll, we'll also need the, the government to play a part in that. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're starting to, see, I mean, we're definitely seeing that in the kind of government investment and OEM investment in Ontario factories, for example, in terms of production. But it seems there is opportunity elsewhere in the country to maybe spread those tentacles further. I think of, you know, Alberta obviously is in a, in a bit of an energy transition. And I just wonder if, if Magna kind of sees Canada as a place where there is room for expansion. I mean, I don't know if you can speak to that being president of powertrain division, but I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, ultimately... Um... Our locations in terms of manufacturing are heavily driven by uh, where our customers need us to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very connected world and, and logistics play an important role. And uh, we usually try to offer our customers uh, local for local solutions. But in terms of, of you know, development, R&D and many other things, uh, you know, Canada has always played a big, big part, uh, for us and, and continue to do so for sure. So, so, um, I, I think I cannot be too specific about it, but, uh, definitely Canada will continue to play a very important role for Magna in that regard. Okay. Time for one question and it's of a macro nature, I suppose. So in your mind, I mean, obviously you're, you're industry watcher, you have huge experience, you understand your customers who then understand their customers in, in your way of thinking, what do you think is the biggest impediment to the widespread adoption of electric vehicles? That is probably, you know, probably one of the most important questions we're all asking ourselves, right? I, I personally, I do believe that range is we're we're getting there or maybe the range anxiety problem is is solved or almost solved i think it has to do more now with charging speed and Mm. charging infrastructure obviously cost right right um but at the end of the day quite frankly i think we'll we're gonna 
end up having a mix of technologies, at least in the midterm, you know, for the next whatever, 10, 20 years. I, I always com compare it a little bit to energy production, right? Depending on legislation, geography, and, and what, what matters under which circumstances, you're going to have solutions that are better, a better fit. Um, so I, I think, you know, you see it now, it's, it's definitely accelerating, right? In direction of, uh, BEVs and, and, um, probably charge, ease of charging, charging speed and infrastructure, I think are, are in cost are the most important factors today, in my view. That's Tom Rucker, president of Magna Powertrain. It seems every week a new EV startup makes headlines with stylized images of its vehicles and boastful claims about the production abilities of its company. More often than not, that's the last we ever hear of that outfit. That really underscores a company like Magna International's commitment to developing and producing electric vehicle components. With over six decades of experience in the business, the company is the largest automobile parts manufacturer in North America in terms of sales. And you can bet that it has entered the EV marketplace with every intention of dominating certain aspects of it. That E-Beam powertrain that Tom described sounds like the first of many innovations Magna will bring to the EV sector in the coming years. And let's hope some of that research, development and production takes place on Canadian soil. That's it for this episode. Much thanks to my guest Tom Rucker. Producer extraordinaire Dar McWana and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. Check out the site's comparison tool for head-to-head -head shopping, and sign up for the Blind Spot newsletter, delivered to your inbox every Saturday morning and featuring a roundup of the past week's most important and most entertaining automotive news. And speaking of newsletters, check out the new FP Energy newsletter, which arrives in your inbox each Wednesday and features exceptional coverage of Canada's energy sector, including renewables and electric vehicles. Subscribe for free at financialpost.com newsletters. And finally, be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode, and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from Seasons 1, 2, and 3.